Thank you very much, and good morning, everyone. This is Preacher Bill Gilliland at First Christian Church, and I want to welcome you to this broadcast uh, that's seeking to uh, draw people closer to the will of God and the Word of God. We love our ministry at First Christian Church, and we've been reaching out in various ways for many years, uh, lots of years on the radio. And it's just a delight to be able to reach out to folk who uh, will not be able to join us uh, in our in-person service today. We have a lot of shut-ins, uh, members of our church and friends of our church, who just can't get out like they used to, and this will give them an opportunity to hear God's Word. And we're, uh, we're going to go into back into the uh, series of messages that that I began last Sunday, as we try to uh, prepare ourselves for uh, the wonderful celebration of the birth of Jesus. Uh, Christmas is a wonderful time of year, one song says, and it really is. But you know, uh, we need to get past the glitter, and that's the theme that we're using over these next few weeks. Getting past the glitter this Christmas. Uh, you know, the, the gap between the world's way of, of, of observing Christmas and the Christian's way seems to be growing wider every year. Therefore, it is important for God's people to think, to speak, and to do Christmas differently. And then to try to live the Christmas theme all year long. How wonderful it is for us to consider the fact that God sent Jesus, his precious son, into the world. He became flesh and lived among us for a short time so that he could experience everything that we go through and then to give his life as a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, to give us forgiveness and salvation and hope. What a wonderful uh, scene it was when the incarnation happened. And that's what we celebrate uh, in December. But in many cases, the world celebrates something totally different. And you know, Christians get caught up in the world's celebration and they forget about the importance of the true meaning. So... Um, the, the principal text for this series is Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, where the Apostle Paul says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And as I emphasized last Sunday, I'm I'm certainly not against our celebration of Christmas. I, I love the traditional elements, the, the idea of being with family, the idea of, of showing how much we love one another with gifts. At the same time, Jesus needs to take first place. And as I look into the world and, it, and the commercialization and the materialism, uh, the extravagance, uh, all of those things point to the idea that we, we, we are too 
concerned about the world's way and not enough concerned about God's way of thinking and doing and living and speaking about Christmas. Now, last Sunday, we emphasized the idea that uh, we need to think differently about Christmas, not as the world thinks. You see, our thoughts uh, follow our cravings. Our thoughts follow our loves. And we read from 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, that we should not love the world or anything in the world. Um, and if anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. So, you know, we, we reach this place where we realize if I love the world's way too much, I'm not going to be able to love the Father, the Heavenly Father, as I should. We need to renew our minds. And last week we encouraged everyone to reassess their loyalties, to reevaluate their desires, and to reaffirm their commitment to their Heavenly Father. Because if anyone loves the world, the love for the Father can't be in him or her. So let me ask you, as we continue on with this theme, how do you plan to do Christmas this year? Will you do Christmas God's way or the world's way? And let me also ask you, how will you speak of Christmas this year? What, what will your words, your salutations, your encouragements, what, what all will they include? Now, what I'd like to do this morning is go back to Luke's account of Christ's birth, the, the account there in Luke chapter 2 that we love so much. And, um, you know, God brings reality and fulfillment um, to hundreds of, uh, uh, the, the fulfillment of hundreds of Old Testament prophecies that promised a Messiah for the Jews, that promised a Savior uh, for the world. And uh, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, when, when he took human form, um, not like the accounts of the Greek gods who appeared instantly as warriors and conquerors, but Jesus... God in the flesh came as a baby and lived among us. Let's read the first seven verses of this beautiful passage in Luke chapter 2, and then I'm going to make some comments about how we need to do Christmas. We need to do Christmas the way the first Christmas was done. Um, here we go with the scripture. This is the New International Version. Uh, in, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. 
Now, uh, as we take a look at, at the world and, and the world that Joseph and Mary lived in and the circumstances and the conditions around which Jesus was born, we can learn some very valuable lessons. You know, sometimes the very things that seem to indicate the worst possible scenarios become God's timing and his purpose in motion. And as I read this scripture, I thought to myself, Caesar's decree at that time. And everyone went to register. And so Joseph, the Bible says, Joseph also went. Uh, He went with Mary, who was great with child, one one scripture said, Um, In other words, she was in her last trimester for sure. And then the scripture says, while they were there, while they were there in the midst of this crowd, all of whom were associated with David and the the Bethlehem, they all came together in one place. Can you imagine the frustration and the concern that this decree posed for Joseph and Mary. You know, their engagement and marriage plans had been interrupted by the Lord, but Mary said, that's okay. This is the Lord's doing. And now um, uh, they were viewed as probably immoral suspects because of Mary's pregnancy. And now the census is ordered and everyone has to return to the home of their roots. Mary is in her final term of pregnancy. What what else could go wrong? Uh, What other weight will be placed upon Joseph and Mary during this significant time in their lives? But so often, when things seem to be going terribly wrong, we find that God is working and using those, those very situations and those very circumstances for the good of his people. Think about some of the, the stories in the Old Testament. God sent Abraham to the mountain to offer his son Isaac as a burnt offering to him. What good could possibly come from that? Well, of course, we realize that Abraham is in the process of becoming the father of the faith and not just the father of the Jews. He believed God, and God opened a door uh, for him. And then think about the story that God allows Joseph in the Old Testament, the the one bright spot in his family, to be hated by his brothers and sold into slavery in Egypt. What good could possibly come from that? And then as it unfolds, we realize that Joseph winds up saving his family from starvation and providing the means for the, the Jewish people to become a nation of millions. That's God at work. That's God's purpose underneath and behind all the circumstances sometimes we misinterpret. I I think about 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where the Apostle Paul writes and says, "Uh, no, no temptation or testing has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tested beyond what you can bear. But when you are tested... He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. 
Now, you place 1 Corinthians 10, 13 into the Christmas story, and you understand more of what Paul, what, uh, Paul is talking about. Poor Joseph and Mary, they went through so much, but God's plan was in action. And we need to remember that the expectations and the demands of the world are not God's priority. Neither do they hinder his fixed and his predicted plans. God's plans will come to fruition no matter what's going on in the world. Uh, I, I love to go back into the scriptures, you know, in, in the prophecy of Isaiah, the Old Testament, chapter 7 and 8, the Lord reveals to the prophet that the nation of Assyria is going to come in and invade the Jewish land and carry the people off captive. In, in chapter 8, verses 9 and 10, he says, Raise the war cry, you nations, and be shattered. Listen, all you distant lands, prepare for battle and be shattered. Prepare for battle and be shattered. Devise your strategy, but it will be thwarted. Propose your plan, but... It will not stand, for God is with us. That God is with us, of course, is the very meaning of the word Emmanuel, God with us. And in the very next chapter, chapter 9, we have those beautiful words speaking of the Messiah who would come. Unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establish and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Dear friends, God's purpose is going to come true. His promise is going to be fulfilled and nothing that this world presents or goes through is going, is going to, to fraught those, uh, those promises of God. I, I thought to myself uh, when I considered the frustration uh, of Joseph and Mary, um, and I thought of the question, how would you get Joseph and Mary to go to Bethlehem a hundred miles or so to fulfill age-old prophecies when she's nine months pregnant, you know, as a human, how would I go about that? Well, God knew exactly how to get them to Bethlehem. He had an edict uh, thrown out where they had to go. Uh, let me encourage you at Christmas time and all the other times, don't, don't allow rejection and frustration to distract you from the greatest of God's blessings. You know, closed doors do not negate God's eternal purposes. The Bible says here, beautiful words in Luke chapter 2, she brought into the world her firstborn, a son, and wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available. Uh, there was no room in the inn, another translation says. But in spite of the time and distance or limited and humble circumstances, Mary gave birth to her firstborn. That's, that's what we want to remember. 
we don't want to get hung up on the fact that they were rejected and turned down. They didn't have a guest room. She gave birth to her son. Jesus was born. It's so easy to allow smaller things to distract us and disorient us from the important and the significant things. Well, let's take a look at the what follows uh, this these seven verses. Let's go to verse 8 and just uh, read about the, the shepherds. I, I want to I encourage you as far as you're speaking this Christmas. What do you say? Uh, the Bible says there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, uh, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And uh, the scripture goes on to talk about the fact that the shepherd said, let's, let's go. Let's go see this thing that has come to pass that the, that the Lord has told us about. And they went, and what a thrill it was. You know, concerning the angel's message to the shepherds, um, I think they teach us that we need to speak differently about Christmas. We, like the angels to the shepherds, uh, we need to speak comfort and courage about Christmas. You know, the angel said, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be alarmed. Uh, I bring you good words. I bring you good news. I bring you news about peace and news about joy. And I, I just want to remind you, dear friends, that, you know, loneliness and grief, anxiety, depression often peak at Christmas time for many people. At the very time when everybody wants to feel good, a lot of people can't feel good or they struggle to feel good because they're in the, the pits of grief or depression or loneliness. We need to speak comfort and encouragement to them. Um, we need to speak good news. Uh, you know, the, the angel said, uh, you know, I, I bring you good, good tidings, good news of great joy, which is for all the people. And sometimes we forget that the good news about Jesus' birth is for everybody. It's for all people. And we need to reach out to the ones that need it most and let them know it's good news. And then we need to speak clear directions when we're giving this good news. Uh, you, you'll remember in the message here that the angel said, uh, and you will find, uh, you will find this baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Told them where he would be and what he would look like. Uh, you know, it's not our job to decide if someone is interested in our news, our good news. We, we don't know how many of those shepherds were interested, but the angels told them. Our job is to tell them. Our job is to tell others what thrills us and what motivates us. Tell them the source of your peace and the source of your joy. They may reject it, but you have at least told them. 
And the shepherd's response to the angel's message should be the same as our desire for the world. They were motivated, let's go, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing. And then they gave a testimony after they saw Jesus. The Bible says they spread the word about what had been told them. Uh, they spread the word. They were excited. And, and then the Bible says in verse 20 of Luke chapter 2 that the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they heard and seen. We, we, we need to see, we need to spread the word, and we need to glorify and praise God. That's all speech, you see. That's speaking differently at Christmas time. And then I, I'm going to close with verse 19. Uh, you know, there are some things that we experience that are just beyond words. And that's okay too. But we can still treasure those things in our hearts. And that's what verse 19 says. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Uh, I think the King James Version says Mary kept these things and treasured them in her heart. Uh, there are two Greek words here. The, the word for treasure is, is sunterio, and it means to preserve, to keep safe, to keep close. You see, Mary had a treasure chest. Uh, Mary had a scrapbook. It was her heart. That, and she kept all those things, you know, uh, in her Magnificat, after the angel Gabriel had told her what was going to happen to her, that she was going to have this child. And you remember she went to see her cousin Elizabeth, and in her, in her praise to God, she says in verse 49 of Luke chapter 1, The Lord has done great things for me. Holy is his name. What do you have in your scrapbook, my friend, your heart? What, what treasures do you have there? Do you have spiritual treasures there? I know you probably have family treasures there. You have good memories of good things that have happened, but do you have spiritual treasures? And the other Greek word here is the word for pondered them in her heart. Pondered, the Greek word is symbolo, and it means to put one thing with another in considering one's circumstances. She pondered. You know, so much had happened in such a short period of time, and and here's Mary just thinking about all this and wondering, my goodness, how in the world could all of this have happened? Put one thing with another in considering our circumstances. And, I, you know, she was probably thinking the same thing as Paul was thinking when he wrote Romans 8 and verse 28. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let me ask you again, dear friend, how will you do Christmas this year? And how will you speak differently this year than you have before? I just pray you'll come back to the spiritual. And if you're not a Christian, the good news has been preached this morning right here from Luke chapter 2. It's the greatest news. A Savior has been born, Jesus Christ the Lord. You need him as your Savior. And as your Lord, I pray you'll take him if you don't know him. And if, you, if you've fallen away in your faith, I hope that you will renew that faith and come back. And, and this Christmas, put first things first. Put Jesus at the top of the list.
uh, be motivated, tell others, praise God, glorify and praise God. Let's pray together as we close. Heavenly Father, thank you for these moments that we can read scripture that we know and love. But today, Lord, we want to apply that a little differently. And we just want to speak about what needs to really take place as we do Christmas this year. Help us to get away from the glitter, get past the glitter, and really celebrate the birth of the Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we pray these things in his precious name. Amen.